Chris, it's been, well, we took a month off because of uh, life what? got in the way. Yes, it does. It always does. But some exciting things have happened. Chris, do you know the most exciting thing that's happened since two months ago and now? Um, You had a baby. God, no. No, no, no please no. The Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> movie trailer dropped like a couple of days ago. How many times have you watched it? I've only, actually, I've only seen it once. <gasps> You're not a true fan. I know. I was not scrolling screenshot by screenshot like some people do for like Star Wars trailers. I don't, I really don't understand. People are already yelling and screaming like, you can't wild shape into an owl bear. It's like, eh, I mean, you know what? It's a movie about a fantasy game. <laughs> well, it's actually interesting that you uh, immediately jumped to that because maybe two or three months ago, Watsy did like a big survey. Mm-hmm. And like one of the questions was, if there was a movie about Dungeons and Dragons, how close should we stick to the uh, rules? And they, you know what? You know what? They should just. If I'm Watsy, I'd be like, you know, I'm sorry. We were looking at first, second, third, and fourth edition rules where the owl bear qualified as a beast. Or oh, yeah. a oh, that's fey a good creature. Point. I mean, well, it was a magical beast in 3E, and I don't remember the druid rules that they could assume magical beasts or not. Right, but it's a... Uh, it, it, deep dive on the owl bear. And the, oh, yeah, yeah. Put, put that in there. It, basically, from some a couple things I read, it turned it came down to they were trying to narrow down the different types of monsters and kind of consolidate them when they got to 5E and simplify it. So the owl bear, because it was involved with, hey, guess what? An evil wizard uh, making a bad monster. It w- couldn't qualify as a beast anymore. So, like a lot of other things, they couldn't figure out. They just lumped it in with monstrosities, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. But no, you fuck that. That's great. I mean, ripping. It, yeah, I it, mean, I rule of cool. Come on. It's like okay, yeah, great. You're gonna change into a brown bear. Okay, isn't that boring in the game as it is? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, I, I personally, I'm like. Uh... I feel like we could make like a a druid who like subclass just augments their wild shape, so they can't be beasts anymore. They can only be monstrosities, and that way you could have like a little cockatrice uh, druid running around. You could have like an owl bear. You could. I'm kind of hoping there's like for all the the rule Nazis out there that there is some sort of thing where they explain like I'm special. I can do this. Nobody else can. Uh, they're they're there isn't really a subclass now. No, but like um, maybe they have to make one. Yeah, there you go. But uh, I remember people uh, talking about like, well, there's a reason you can't wild shape into a monstrosity because a CR three monstrosity versus a CR three beast have different power levels, and it's like the only thing I can think of is why the fuck do we have challenge ratings? Then? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Well, that, that's a whole other argument that we won't get into. But I mean, it's what was the other thing I saw? Oh, that in the there's the scene with the dragon, and it's a black dragon. It comes swoops down. Spoilers, Chris. Yeah. Well, it's in the trailer. Um, the trailers aren't spoilers. And true to form, it like releases the breath weapon, which is a line of acid. Uh-huh. And it just goes on the ground. Doesn't hit anybody from what I can see. Shitty dragon. And then horses run like through it. You know, they're like without taking any damage. They're like, <laughs> they're running through acid. That horse would be like, would take so much damage and fall over. I'm like, oh my fucking God. You see, I, you see, I only seen it once, so I don't really remember it that well. But you said like horses running through it. Like I just imagined meat horse on one side and then out <laughs> comes is like an undead skeletal war horse. You're like, yeah, I think that's how you make undead war horses. That makes sense to me. Running through acid. I like the trailer. I have high hopes for it. 
Chris Pine, I think, is a good actor. He and def- it's March 3rd, right? Yep, your birth- the- taking you for your birthday. Oh, I'm so excited. So, yeah, I mean, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, quality actor. Do you know Chris Pine has a really, really I good acting lineage? Nice. Any of these actors in it? Okay. Chris Pine, Star Trek movies. Uh, I don't like Jack Star Trek. Ryan, Jack Ryan in the Amazon series. He's done a bunch of stuff. He's, I don't he's know good. what that is. Michelle Rodriguez. Fast and the Furious. Please tell me you've at least heard of that. I've seen the first one like when I was a kid. That's but fine. I'm no, not a car person. That's the only good one. Ooh, ooh. You do get your Jeremy Irons as close to Jeremy Irons as you can. If they're going to bring in a British guy. Did you see it? At the very end? Come on, tell me you did. I don't know what you're talking about. Come on. Benedict Cumberbatch? No. <laughs> Keep guessing. There's other British guy. Oh, uh, there's the guy... Uh, who did the UK office and nope, nope, the invention nope, 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 of lying. Nope. Did a lot of romance movies with what's her name? Oh, he's the one that mumbles all the time and I have no idea what he's saying and during all the movies and why people like him. Hugh Grant? Yes. Hugh Grant, the guy who can't ever say a single word without like And he smirks all the time, which I think is perfect. I don't yeah, know what his role is going to be in there, but he was in it. So you see, got your British I just guy. don't even like him as an actor just because every time I see him, he's just kind of mumbling and like, it's like he isn't even quite sure what his own lines are. And he's just like, I think I'm supposed to say this. So and then everyone's like, he's so sexy. <laughs> so he's no Jeremy Irons is what you're telling me. No, of course he's not Jeremy. Jeremy Irons took his lines and he delivered them. And, like, he put his entire personality he was behind those lines. If you haven't seen the original 2000s Dungeons & Dragons featuring Jeremy Irons and then a bunch of whatever. People who don't give a shit about? Yeah, whatever. Oh, one I of think the there's a Waylon brother in yeah. there or whatever. <laughs> then you are doing yourself a disservice. It is a wonderful uh, movie and probably the highlight of any Dungeons & Dragons film. Yeah, uh, William Shatner wishes he could overact as much as Jeremy Irons. It's not overreacting or overacting if that's the right amount of acting you're supposed to be doing, Chris. Yeah, okay. I want my villains to be flamboyant and excited about what they're doing. That Jeremy Irons had job satisfaction. And bought a castle with the And also, him playing an evil villain, that evil villain had job satisfaction. Oh, boy. Yeah, until the end when he died. Spoilers. Well, I mean... That's just, unfortunately, that's a lot in life for uh, villains. Okay, so the next thing we we're going to talk about, Chris, is that Dungeons & Dragons released UA, uh, I think it was like Wonders of the Multiverse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which included glitchlings, which are like rogue modrons or the um, mechana tricks or whatever they were called from 3E. Uh, but the... Okay, you know they're, they're they're from the planes of law, but the glitchlings are glitched out. But they're from the planes of it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, so I mean, it's exciting that you know we won't go over the UA because we got a lot of shit to cover today. But it's exciting that maybe there's some planescape stuff finally coming after eight plus years of five E. Uh, you know how you don't watch trailers? Yeah, I don't read UA. That's okay. <laughs> I just don't. Because 90, 90% of the time... Yeah, it's not going to show up. It doesn't, it doesn't show matter. up, so why get excited? Or I don't read it closely. What I do is I just try to see what themes they're going for and what that might mean for the future. UA bothers me just from the fact that it's cool. It, you know, They're trying some stuff out. I like the fact that they're putting it out there and that they give the option for people to be like, hey, tell us what you think. That's great. They're getting the community involved, at least on some level. 
I've always thought that was a good idea. And they take the feedback and they realize, oh, we definitely not using this. Or, hey, there's some good suggestions. We're going to tweak it. We'll make it, uh, we'll make it official content. But this DM that does most of my campaigns lets people play the UA and it's so fucking overpowered sometimes. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? Now that hasn't happened in a long time, but I'm just saying that's not his fault. That's the UA's fault. And I dislike it, so I don't look at it. Well, two things. First all, you're the DM. <laughs> well, first off, is yes, Watsi specifically overpowers it so they can see where it breaks. There's competing opinions on that. I'm starting to lean more towards that's a bad way of doing it because no one likes it when their subclass gets nerfed. And I kind of prefer uh, Paizo's way where it's it's a little bit maybe underpowered or a little bit underdeveloped. And then they increase that power to the appropriate levels. So then people don't feel like their class is getting nerfed or that uh, the thing that they like is getting sucky. So appealing to human nature, it's always <clears throat> better to give than take away. Yeah, I guess I, that's, the that's other point, point is you said that they read the feedback and keep things that people like or like this. No, I don't think that's true at all. Uh, there have been surveys all the time, and it just kind of feels like because I, I I take part in these surveys all the time. Mm -hmm. I read through things and I go through the survey. It just kind of feels like I'm putting submitting a survey into an endless black hole because there's never much of a response towards it not necessarily there's never a response back towards it and then things that have like community-wide approval at least on reddit so you know from a reddit community-wide <laughs> approval stance uh there's a lot of excitement about it and then it just disappears like mm -hmm. the subclass just disappears yeah. there, there's no mention of it so it's like are they listening or or is it that Reddit's wrong? That can't be it. They must. <laughs> <laughs> Why you respond on, on Reddit a lot of times. It can't be wrong. <laughs> but uh, Paizo has an interesting way of doing it where they do, um, you know, like this UA kind of style mm -hmm. stuff. But when you submit the survey about a month later, they accumulate all that information and then they write a long blog post telling you what did the community respond back what have they taken from that community feedback and what their focus is going to be over the next couple of months in regards to that feedback and how they're going to be adjusting the class and kind of uh, some ideas that they have to further refine it based off of suggestions, which is something that Watsi could do to make people feel like they're just not like talking into the void well, yeah, when it comes to the service. That's, that's a business slash company issue, not a... Yeah, no, I don't know what you're saying. Basically, Watsi needs to get their shit together and put in a part of their... Uh, a community manager. Yeah, exactly. To respond in a timely fashion. Even if it's a poll, even if it's stats, even if they do a poll where it's just like, okay, we sent out you know, the survey, we asked you some questions, here's what people responded. You know, 56% of the people like this, 20% of the people like this. You know, at least so you can, for someone like you, you like numbers. You can yeah, look at or and be just like, say oh. like a large amount of people mm -hmm. thought this mechanic was a little bit too fiddly. Yeah. Or a large amount of the, you know, a small but very vocal portion said they really hated this one mechanic. Right. Whereas most people are ambivalent. Like, okay. And a better idea is like, what does the rest of the community think? Because it, you kind of wind up in like a D&D community and you don't really have a sense of the other communities out there because, well, you understand this community. Yeah. You have a community. Why do you need multiple, multiple communities of the same thing? Every little 
D&D is the biggest out of all of them, but there are little fiefdoms. They each mm-hmm. independently operate on their own. Yes, and, and the littlest fiefdom is Mistara, because it's never going to happen. No, it won't. Chris, today our main topic, uh, as some people might guess from whatever it is, the title of this podcast episode that I put out is... Uh, we're talking about journeys through the Radiant Citadel. Um, we each have the soft touch, fancy version. Which is really nice. Thanks for getting this. Yes. Uh, th- I mean, it does actually look fairly nice. I like it. Uh, the other one, the other cover is kind of a busy, bizarre. Yeah, it's Not it, bizarre as in like weird, but bizarre. Or, marketplace. Yeah, marketplace. There we go. I couldn't think of the word marketplace, market. but I could think of the word bizarre. <laughs> it, I, it, and I think it's based off the first adventure but there's multiple adventures with similar kind of things yeah it's a little busy but i they're both great mm-hmm. oh it's uh this is from yeah yeah so it is from the first one i think yeah, yeah anyways well, a brief talk about this it is an anthology <laughs> brief as much as we can be brief it is an anthology taking place in what's known as the radiant citadel a utopia where nothing ever goes wrong and everyone loves each other because uh, everyone's equal and uh there are uh, it takes place in the deep ethereal so it's a state, sort of it's a, it's a safe space <laughs> it takes place in the deep ethereal and then you go out on these ventures across the multiverse apparently never in the ethereal plane and uh handle all these problems that different societies are taking place the huge thing is it's written by a, a very diverse set yep. of writers there and so there's lot, like yeah. 13 different or technically 15 different unique cultures Mm -hmm. that they dive in that are not eurocentric right they're afrocentric um you got some asia centric you have latin america south america like all these kind of different kind Mm -hmm. of different viewpoints from around our world and like their imaginations of what a fantasy there are 13 adventures Mm -hmm. in here there's a section about the radiant citadel itself and then there's uh two or three pages at the very end of the book about two more Mm -hmm. i'll be honest i I, briefly looked at those but (laughs) uh not like empires nations whatever you want to call them Mm -hmm. uh society societal groups and you i know you like that stuff you did that for talia too (laughs) your homebrew world yeah and so at the end of each of these adventures there's about three to four pages about a different societal group that the adventure took place in right so like at the end of salted legacy uh which is the first adventure mm-hmm. that's uh is that third level or yes first it's level? a third level okay third level adventure there is a gazetteer at the end about ooh, let me flip over the pronunciation guide before i yeah. screw that one thank up. god right <laughs> uh Sunku. The Sabsunku Gazetteer, which is uh, three pages, probably more like two and a half because there's a monster stat block at the back of there, about uh, this society and like their culture and things of that nature, which is very interesting, unfortunately, because they did shove 13 adventures in here, plus information about the Radiant Citadel. Like everything's kind of brief. But... There is information, and I, mm-hmm. I misspoke. It is a Salted Legacy is a first level adventure. Okay, first um, the other See? one of the the <laughs> other one I read was one of the other ones I read that I thought I was going to talk about was third. No, um, no, no. That brings me into a uh, gripe that I have about this book. Oh, I thought you were about me. It okay. is so frustrating trying to figure out what level that an adventure is for. 
You mean because... it, you don't care about when it says the title Salted Legacy and in the smallest font possible, it says an adventure for first level The character. smallest font possible? I'm, I'm old and blind. I had to get glasses out to see that. I was jumping around the book trying to figure out what level a thing is. I didn't see that tiny like eight point you... font below it. Normally, they include that right. information, like the background or the adventure summary, where it's like, this is an adventure for third level yeah. parties. No, they just like shove it right there. And it's just like, I spent like five minutes like flipping through trying to figure out what level. And you just got LASIKs. Was. You should be able to see that. No problem. <laughs> so, so that was a big gripe I had. And it's like, why isn't that in the index? So mm. that if I have an eight yeah. level party, I'm not flipping through every single adventure trying to figure out which one is going to work for my party that I'm trying to use. Definitely this is format- an anthology. Yeah. yeah, it's a formatting issue for sure um, on their part. I'll go ahead and remove that from my list of gripes. Real quick, a plug uh, for you because you you wrote the series on it. There's no talk about the ethereal plane. What if you if if you're new, <laughs> relatively new to the game? Well, you found another gripe, Chris. That's yeah. two out of two. Sorry. If you if you started playing in the last. Four or five years, where a lot of people have, which is awesome. You might not have a fucking clue what the ethereal plane is. Well, you can Chris, go to Dumpstat and read Stephen's article. Yes, I'll, I'll leave plane. a link to that. But Please. also, Chris, uh, for those who only want official sources, though technically mine is from all the official sources, you I just consolidate right. into a single thing. Um, if you go to the Dungeon Master's Guide for 5th Edition, there is like half a page of information yeah, it's on there. Five paragraphs. Is it five paragraphs? It's pretty fucking short. I didn't even think it was that much. <laughs> I could be wrong. I um, think it might only be like three paragraphs. Actually, I'm about to look it up. Okay, you, you're probably right. But it's hey, a- Watsy, make PDFs of all your books so I don't have to use D and D Beyond all the time. Go to yeah, just go to the yeah. The I don't know it. I as you said before, it's an anthology. It's got adventures, and the focus is on the adventures, on the individual artists to try and you know. Give, Artists or like writers, yeah, or, or right, both, right. To give the okay. them a voice to put adventures together, you know, all, mini adventures together. That's the focus. These new worlds, the, the the new experiences you can have in them, the new cultures you experience, the new people you can run into. It's not about the ethereal plane, but I need to know about the ethereal plane if the main, the nexus of everything is in the ethereal Except plane. It's really not because. It, Oh, it's being so... Yeah, yeah. All right. So, so now we found another grab of Steven. Uh, one, two, three. Oh, no, you're right. Uh, no, six. Oh. Six. I can't And count. a table. Ooh, I love tables. It's an eight table. Um, it just tells you what color the ethereal curtains are, um, which you have no idea what that's about in this book because it doesn't even talk about the difference between the border ethereal and the deep ethereal as well as the ethereal curtains. If So is your complaint that... Not complaint. Is your gripe that you can do that it's... Starts off telling you about that's the ethereal plane, and then each adventure says how to integrate it into the ethereal plane in the Radiant Citadel, in Forgotten Realms, or in the other. Each the, uh, they do like Eberron, Greyhawk. Yeah. Like they switch it back, but yeah, Forgotten Realms is always there. The Bring, back is always there. Um, Bring back Greyhawk. Bring back Greyhawk. Greyhawk lives. That's uh, not gonna happen. So we'll we'll just begin at the beginning. Uh, that seems like a great spot. Is from page 6 to page 17, so there's 11 pages about mm-hmm. the Radiant Citadel, yep. is all the information uh, that you're going to get yep. on the Radiant Citadel plus... I can't really say plus the Ethereal Plane. Uh, I mean, the first sentence starts out nice. Uh, against the unending mist and unseen terrors of the Ethereal Plane, the Radiant Citadel stands as, uh, bright as a bastion of hope. And that's about as much as you're going to get on the Ethereal Plane. 
<laughs> you get a little bit more. Tells you about the swirling storm that's outside of it that you don't want to deal with. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, all this information. It's not really that much information. I don't actually like how it's separated because the Radiant Citadel is the, uh, like the fossilized bone of something, um, with a large hollow diamond that's pierced through the center of it. That the is diamond is known as the Auroral Diamond. Indestructible. There are things inside of the diamond, but the way they have the book set up, it makes it seem like those things are separate from the diamond. What I would have preferred is big header for the Auroral Diamond, which is what they have, mm -hmm. and then do little headers for everything inside of the diamond, and then do like the bone shiv or whatever you want to call the area outside the diamond, and then do little headers for everything that's outside the that's in like that outside area. Cause right now everything has those bigger headers and then it's mm -hmm. listed in alphabetical order. And so it's like, it might be like three sentences in it. It's like, this is inside the diamond. It's like, well, I didn't, wasn't really picturing that when I started it, I didn't realize this was inside the diamond. Now I had to kind of like readjust my mental framework as to where everything is in the radiant citadel. This is a pretty map. Yeah. there. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's a decent map. Um, it is by Mike Shaley, which is my favorite cartographer for Five E. Well, and if you flip to the if you flip the uh, the page after the map, there's just a, like an artist rendering of it. More yeah, of a by Sean Wood. Mm -hmm. He does. Um, I mean, it's a. It's all right. It's pretty. Uh, there isn't much detail beyond yeah. just like you get like a general sense of what it looks like in mm -hmm. the ethereal. It also looks pixelated <laughs> yeah it's not very clear Purposefully? I, I think it's supposed to give the feeling of being in the ethereal plane maybe. i guess i'm not sure um but and, and we'll, we'll throw up some of this artwork and the notes mm -hmm. as well as the artwork by jessica fong i thought the art was great in this the book. ruby pangolin which is the most adorable thing in this book yeah whatever the but apparently i'm also a sucker for pangolins so jesus christ anyways um yeah, I like the art. I think the art was quality in this book. It's been uh, better than a lot of the other books. Yeah, there's a couple of NPCs that are drawn a little odd, but I mean, it's just different art styles. Yeah. And it's just, uh, I think 5e is starting to branch out from like a core art style mm -hmm. and allow, you know, artists to kind of come in with different impressions. It's a little, I don't want to say jarring, but it's like, oh, that, oh, okay. It can, be, discon it can be disconcerting when you see it for the first time because you've been so used to that. There are so many different artists that have different styles. They've been missing the wind. They've been missing the, the, I can't speak words today. It's a golden opportunity that they've missed. And I'm glad to see they've identified it because there's so many great artists with different styles. The other thing that I really like, and they've done this in the last couple of books, um, but I just want to call it out, is what they started doing in 4E where they put the uh, the artist's name yes. near on the same page <clears throat> as the artwork. And so that just makes it like, oh, I really like this. Um, I wonder if they do commissions. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, that makes it easy. You know, not everyone has, uh, you know, these might be expensive artists. Or some of them might be, you know, more affordable for, like, regular tables and things of that nature. But, like, it just makes it easy. Yeah, no, I mean, you and have. And you can throw, like, mm -hmm. a comment out on Twitter and be like, hey, I really like this piece you did. Okay, great. Radiant Citadel, uh, a wonderful utopia in the middle of a chaotic storm. Uh, oh, also, before we get too deep, page five has a small section for online and streamed games. So that's definitely a focus of theirs is people doing mm -hmm. online and streamed games, which will come up when we start talking about the adventure. Nope, that's, uh, again, that's, and I can't remember her name, the new head of WotC, she came over. That is has always been her focus yeah. is the digital and marketing aspect of it not marketing but yeah. development 
And, and she's doing an amazing job. And a lot of this did feel like it was written with the idea that you would stream this or like yep. play this to an audience, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's a way to play the game at your table, even if you aren't streaming it. Mm-hmm. I don't think it meshes very well with my style. Like my style, like I don't. But that's a style a lot of people yeah, recognize like, now. I'm not trying to put on like an improv theater kind of thing at the table. I'm just trying to make sure people are having fun and, you know, like we're not always staying in character, all that stuff. Okay, I want to make one prediction then because I nailed the last one last time with D&D Beyond. I don't, I think it'll probably be Roll20, but Watsy will be buying either like a Roll20, a Fantasy Grounds. That's their next big buy. That is, I'm serious. That is the next thing, the piece of the puzzle that they are missing to be able to be like, wait, why are we licensing all this crap to Roll20? We're just going to buy them and throw everything on there and charge an extraordinarily high amount so that people can use the the, the product. They're missing that right now. They're missing mm-hmm. the virtual hit. Tabletop. I mean, I know the, there's always been these rumors and reports that they've been trying to make their own virtual tabletop. They were trying to do that in 4E before there was a tragedy mm-hmm. around that. Mm-hmm. And they kind of backed off from that. So, I mean, it could be that they're just like, you know what? <laughs> We've hired too many people. We haven't been able to do this. How about we just buy someone? That yeah. seems cheaper in the long run. <laughs> but yeah, going back to the Radiant Citadel. Um, I did not. I don't actually like the Radiant Citadel. Reading through it, it seems like it's just like this perfect utopia where everyone's treated equal, equally and fairly and everyone's welcome here. Like there's even a section that the uh, talking about how the palace staff cares for the physical, mental and emotional needs for refugees. Like the entire description of this city just feels like Care Bears for adults. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna kill me i didn't think of it that way but i had something similar i was going with my little pony <laughs> yeah or like my little pony for no, adults like it's just has like bro. <laughs> everything's you. wonderful here like this is such a joyous place it's like you know like i'm all for you know filthy socialism but like not in my role-playing games place yeah, no, i no, need no. comp like mm. it, there doesn't feel like there's this conflict within the city to mm. make exciting adventures. Like you have to make it yourself. You have to create the turmoil yourself instead of Watsi being like, hey, not everyone's going to have like the mental load of being able to come up with conflict and turmoil in city. You know, sometimes you're just trying to run something quickly yep. and you just want ideas. This book does not give you ideas to create turmoil in the city, except for a couple of minor things where they're like, oh, sometimes revolutionaries hide in the city. Um, and like revolutionary, wow, that's a very soft word, yeah. uh, because one side sees themselves as revolutionaries. The other one sees them as terrorists. That's the whole, that's the whole flavor of the book right there, but I'm not going to go into the social aspect of that either. Um, well, you have the swirling storm outside in the ethereal plane that could be getting closer. It's like, great. That yeah. Sounds bad. And it's but... like, like actually there was, you, you say that and there's like this like adventure idea things and like. They, they provide four of them. Three of them are adventures in the book. The fourth one is, hey, something's going on with that storm. You should see why it's getting closer to, like, who's causing the Radiant Citadel or the storm to get closer to Radiant Citadel. That's that it. was the one that interests me the most. <laughs> There's no adventure on it. And that was it. Be- again, because the focus is on the individual adventures written by the individual writers um, we could sit here and say, hey, this is an opportunity maybe for another book to explore the ethereal plane. Yeah, talk about that all day long. It's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I get it, but I wish it was the same. I, w- I wish they had more on that too. 
but not the focus of the book. Focus on the book is the adventures written by the the unique authors. I understand why they did it. Disappointing, sure, but no one's going to read a 700-page book. Well, I'm but sorry. If it's about the ethereal plane, no, I would. No one but you is going to read a 700-page book. <laughs> we'll go back to uh, the Radiant Sentinel and how it's a great utopian. Nothing bad ever happens. And you might be one, you know, you're probably like, oh, it's one community that created this. That's why they're living in a happy, you know, like they didn't allow outsiders here. So it's like, you know, maybe there's these racist uh, kind of things going. No, it is 24 tribes made uh, or found the Radiant Citadel there. It's a little unclear. Um, And somehow there was no infighting and everything was perfectly peaceful. Yeah, there weren't. There were like three heroes that discovered. There was like it was. Who uh, was it? I forget. So, so yeah, there's like twenty four disparate tribes found it. Then it got lost, mm. and then a ancient copper dragon or bronze yes. dragon, yeah, one of those, yeah, dragon. got like over fifty different heroes from uh, what they thought was some of the original founding tribes, and most of them died. went on a massive quest. <laughs> Yeah, like half of them die. Yeah, I think it's more like, than you that. have fifty heroes with you. What the <laughs> hell adventure were you going on where you lost half of them? Yeah, it was bad. It's to like a, they forgot the cleric back home. It was like a one e adventure where it's like thirtieth level, you know, heroes. You're only fighting gods, anyways. But they eventually find it, mm-hmm. um, and so there's fifteen of the original founding tribes have returned to the Radiant Citadel. So there's uh, out of the, it's actually 27 founding civilizations. So there's 12 still missing. And I think that's the topic of one of the adventures is finding one of those missing tribes. It's fun because they've, that that little, what was that? Two page section, one page section. Mm -hmm. Sequel. Um, The, and so that kind of brings me to a next point I was going to put out. Gripe or point? Is, uh, oh, (laughs) <laughs> i just read another gripe of mine but i'll get back to that gripe in just a moment there uh, well actually this kind of is going to be another gripe shocking there are very few monsters in this book yes because they're restricted to the monster manual which means a lot of the humanoids you face and there are a lot of humanoids at least in the adventures that i read through mm-hmm. uh that you're going to have to fight or face off against there's very very few stat blocks for them so everyone kind of shares the same stat blocks. There is a an elite freedom fighter or warrior who is in charge. He's in charge of the shield bearers, which are these like the yep. uh, like the elite of the elite guards that protect the Radiant Citadel. You would he's been alive like hundreds of fights. He's said to have survived. Mm-hmm. CR8 assassin. Yep, use stat block for who were. In, in, as a reminder for the assassin stat block, they rely on poison to do most of their damage. <laughs> and he's like, this guy's supposed to be this shield bearer. Shield, Beacon of si- shining and, light. And like a warrior, a huge fighter. Assassin stat block? Stabby stabby. How did he survive for so long and still only CR8? Why is he rely so much on... That's the issue we're facing in this book is... There's so many human, like there's like only a handful of humanoid stat blocks and so few of them are above like CR1 that everyone's sharing the same stat blocks. And so none of them feel very, none of these stat blocks feel appropriate for the people that they're supposed to be representing. Well, they can't 
create unique NPCs for everybody like we do every other week. Well, and like, you know, it's like, well, how am I supposed to make a 30 different fighters? And it's like, well, I've kind of done that. Uh, our patron uh, on Patreon will, you know, like have some experience with like I've made a bunch of different codexes that are focused on different NPCs. Like I made one for all different palace staff. Mm-hmm. I've made some for uh, different types of explorers, things of that nature, uh, pirates and things uh, going from there. Well, even in on our website. Every other week, we each create one NPC that's a unique NPC that you could mm-hmm. steal our stat blocks, drop it in there. Yeah. I don't care. Well, that that brings me to the I other point care. of there's very few new monsters. Mm, yeah. Which is But um, that I think shame. that ties into what some of the themes of the adventures are. We'll get that. Yeah. Well, it's a shame because that could have been a really kind of fun thing within the book uh, to have all these weird or strange monsters, each kind of unique to these different lands or these different worlds or planes that you're traveling to. Instead, it's like if the adventure has a new monster, it's one new monster. Most of the adventures don't have a new monster to go along with it. Mm -hmm. And so you're just stuck with the monster manual, which is like, Great, I'm just using boring. these boring generic monsters to represent these exciting new cultures mm-hmm. we're exploring or finding out about. And mm-hmm. it's just like, ah, it feels, you kind of tacked on another 30 pages, Watsi, or another 48 pages, the way printing works, to include a fun and exciting bestiary where it's just like, these are these unique culturally inspired monsters and really allow you to like give the players and sensation of fighting new uh new monsters instead just like here's a gargoyle there's 13 adventures what we did was we each picked three adventures to read through we kind of uh, at least i skimmed over the opening paragraph for the other ones that i didn't read but we each read three adventures Mm -hmm. so that's six adventures between the two of us which means there's seven adventures we did not read through so if you know i'm not saying this is what's going to happen but if we both think all the adventures sucked well there's still seven other adventures that Mm -hmm. we didn't read through so maybe we picked really bad ones or if the three adventures we each go over doesn't excite you. There's seven others that maybe excite you, but you know, we're looking at about half of them. Yeah, you know, I've got a wife and kids and animals to take care of, so that I think three is a good number. And yeah, covering half of it's solid. Yeah, and so, I mean, we just picked it up on uh Tuesday, so yeah, we didn't have a huge amount of time to read through it all. Yeah, that's true. You're starting us off. Yep. Which adventure are you going over? Uh, first one, first one in the book, uh, Salted the Legacy. First one in the book. Yeah, Salted Legacy. It's a first level adventure. Really? I thought it was third level. Uh, be quiet. The type, the font is really, really small. <laughs> Snapshot of the adventure. You are traveling. I don't know. You hop in your crystal and you go to. I forget which one it is. See how much I read it. Uh, Sab Sunko. Yeah, thank you for pronouncing that because I wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. So, yeah. He, I mean, I will point out, like, you said it before, but yeah, the pronunciation guides are... Yeah, are, God damn, that's hard. ...are um, great. I, I appreciate that. Yep. Actually, <laughs> I did a... And I'll, I'll let you get back to your thing, I promise, maybe. <laughs> uh, I did a test with myself where I read through all of the names first before I looked at pronunciations, and then I then compared what I thought the words would be uh, to the pronunciation guide, <laughs> I got about half of them. I couldn't even get close. So yeah, so yeah, so real quick, 
you from the Radiant Citadel, you get to these places, you get to these cities that were part of the founding people for that. You hop in a crystal yes. and you teleport there. Boop. Yeah, and there's one specific crystal per each founding tribe. Okay, so you get to the land I can't pronounce. Yep. And you Samsung go. Yes. And you end up in the I'm not even gonna try the Din Sing night market. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I thought funky... originally this was supposed to take place in the Radiant Citadel, like the markets. I was like, oh, that's fun. It's going to be. No. No, no mm. it's not at all. So you get there and there's this whole marketplace that, uh, you know, and it says endlessly changing maze of stalls filled with incredible wares, enticing smells and magical lights. Awesome. The whole adventure is based around pretty much three different stalls in this giant market. I get it. You got to narrow down, but eh, there's some information on like four or five more markets, Mm -hmm. but it's kind of limited. I think it's actually a way to, you know, people should branch out and put some other kind of fun things in there they can think of. But again, some people don't want to do the heavy lifting for that. And I understand that too. Uh, And players are annoying as hell. You know, they're going to be like, well, what else is there? Can I buy stuff? Are there other things in the market? And it's like, guys, stay on track. And no, they're like dogs. They're like, Okay, we're going to take that something shiny. Oh, a ball. They're going to get lost. So that makes it a little difficult for the wow. DM. You're Anyways. such a poor decision uh, uh, about players. Well, I'm a player. Uh, so they get there to, uh, there's there's two competing markets. One's run by kobolds. The other's run, run by gnomes. If you don't know, they hate each other. Uh, we have articles uh, on the sorry, kobold. You said kobold. Yes. I'm amazed you didn't want to do this one. And the art for the kobolds. Is fantastic. If you go to page twenty, I love the little oh, yeah. merchant kobold. Looks uh, funny but fearsome. I don't know. It's a weird way to put uh, it. I feel like it's gonna throw a chew at me. Yeah. So, so these two, they're all the markets are owned by families. These two families, uh, historically, they're like the Hatfields and McCoys, but they're trying to bury the hatchet. They're trying to get along. And it turns out now that each is they're they're descending back into chaos because they're accusing each other of sabotage for each stall. Um, and it turns out, well, yeah, let me see. There's the one family that sells fish cakes. They're a fish market, and the other one is a Stephen market. It's vegetarian noodle bowls. So you oh. could go to that one. So. You stumble upon, you know, a kobold running away, a gnome chasing him, saying you're a thief, and then the kobold's like, ah, you know, we stole from him first. Anyways, long story short, there's no combat in this adventure. Turns out a third party um, run by twin brothers. One of the brothers is getting married, and he's leaving the business. The other brother's all salty about it. He's the one causing the strife to have those two market collapse so that he can promote his own business i'm not 100 percent sure how it's supposed to work but wait so his brother's getting married and so now he's just ruining two other family yeah businesses? pretty much it's uh yeah wow i don't that is very salty yeah it's they describe it's like a good brother and bad brother good brother getting married has a zest for life the other brother who's the one doing all the bad shit is reserved and calculating i okay great wow um so lots of checks lots of investigation there's a in the if you go to page 23 there's a big map of the market 
So there's all these really kind of, it, I mean, it's huge. There's tons of places in here, but you have one, two, three, four, five, six markets that they identify. I get why you have to do that. You need yeah. to stay focused, but, but the center and the event grounds is also where a lot of stuff takes place. This is very much like the campaign that I'm currently in where you have to gain where pirates, you gain infamy. Mm -hmm. Here, you have to play the market games, and I'll get into that in a second, to, you know, basically gain reputation points. Cool. Uh, there's only three games that you can take part in. There's you eat spicy peppers, and you roll on a chart to see what kind of pepper you get. Yay. Make some checks. Uh, there's a hide-and-seek challenge. Mm -hmm. I Well, and this was like the start of the Critical Role adventure book where it's like, Here's some challenges and festival mm -hmm. games. Uh, begin. Yeah. So maybe this is just how they think adventures should start is nonviolent festival games. Yeah, I don't know. And then, you know, so you're the hide and seek. You're going into a, how many rooms is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven rooms. You're looking for caterpillars. All right. Okay. And then there's a battle prawn, prawn challenges. So shrimp. Hmm. Woohoo. If you do well you gain reputation points the reputation points mean more people will talk to you more people talk to you you find out that uh kazan i'm horrible with pronunciations it's uh let me see if they have it in there that the evil brother uh kasim 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 arun that's the uh the brother that's causing all you'll find out that he's uh you know you'll pick up hints like there's permissisums everywhere it's a for the, the mm -hmm. find the peels in places you find out he's starting the he's per, per missus per persimmons persimmons thank you whoa <laughs> is that what it is what am i looking for here oh i'm thinking of the spice um the you see peels you'll hear that they see the fruit laying around you can keep laughing at me um yeah tw obviously 30 years in kitchens and i can't pronounce a word anymore yeah. he has and he's he he's not actually doing it himself. He has stolen, not stolen, but brought back with him some windlings. They like that fruit. So he bribes them to go and, as he puts it, play in the areas to cause havoc at the stands. Oh, okay. um, they're fake creatures. They uh, And they're on the cover of the non-special mm -hmm. book. Yep. Uh, they're not malevolent. They're not trying to cause any, you know, they're not trying to kill anybody. They're not, they don't do it out of meanness. They're just fake creatures. They like to screw around. Mm. I mean, you know, so yeah, I mean, there's lots of charts on finding out when you get reputation points on what, you know, um, you eventually have to convince him what you find out about the, uh, the windlings, you get him to confess, you know, you can go one of few ways you find out, uh, Let's see. He feels betrayed by his brother and he's abandoning the business. He wants to buy either of the uh, stalls, you know, either the noodle place or the fish market. He's trying to buy them to expand the business to ensure that he will not, you know, fall into ruin, ruin without his brother, so on and so forth. Um, this guy just doesn't have any self-confidence is what I'm learning. He's, he's just kind of a dick. Uh, there is no combat. Okay. In the first scene, when you see the two, the, the gnome and the 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 kobold fighting, it's not like you, they start pulling out daggers and stabbing each other. You you talk them down, or they start screaming at each other and stomp away. Mm -hmm. There's nothing. 
I I, I think that's the um that's kind of how Watsy's starting to go. It seems like where they want their game to be more role playing, narrative, and skill challenge focused as opposed to combat. The issue is Gary Gygax is turning over in his grave. The biggest section of five E rules: the monster manual. The second biggest: uh, magic items for violence. The third section: <laughs> combat. Yes, and character classes, all focused on combat. Right. Re make a new D and D system if you want it to be narrative focused. Because right now there's nothing about skill challenges. There's nothing about uh about how to do like society. Like I'm trying to think of the word. There's nothing about like conversations or how to uh like a mini system for dealing with social encounters like there are in dozens of other rpgs that are actually focused on that uh specific thing no all the rules are geared towards murder yeah and social interaction involves stabbing somebody in dnd yeah that's what the game's always been about or casting like a mind raping spell like charm person where you physically like you you magically corrupt their mind to like you like that's their idea of overcoming a social encounter yeah Sorry, I really don't like enchantment spells. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll remember that. Tuck that knowledge away. Oh. Um, the adventure is well written. The adventure is actually a good way to level up your character in the adventure as you go up. I mean, I think you're supposed to be able to, like, bing, once you complete a challenge, like mm-hmm. a certain amount of challenges, you get the second level. Without the threat of your characters dying. I'm not sure what DMs are doing that they are, you know, I think part of this too is, is yeah, they're trying to move to, more towards let's talk it out. But also I'm wondering if DMs, the, the, a gripe is, oh, well, my players keep dying. I'm like, well, then don't yeah. throw. I mean, level fit. one's incredibly dangerous. Yeah. So you get critted once and you're just dead. Like, automatically did. Hide. Use a lot of ranged weapons. That's all I got to say. Wizards, take magic missile. And hope you hit. Uh, well, you and, automatically you know, just hit. Stay home, hope you do a lot of damage until they solve the dungeon, and then you get experience just for knowing. There's nothing wrong with hiding behind a rock. Um, okay. So, what? How, how are you feeling about the adventure? Because you keep reminding me about time, and you just keep. Yeah, coming. I don't. I don't like social interactions. I like combat. If you like social interactions, this is definitely a great adventure for you. Um, if there was a combat at the end, would you? No, would you like it? It would. It would uh, and in a way, I respect it because there is no way with uh, how the adventure is written and what it's the purpose of it is. There's no way to add combat in. If they did, it would ruin. It would ruin the flavor of the adventure. I like combat. <laughs> I get it. Cause it's all yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The uh, so I think based on where the game is now, fantastic. Highly recommend it for first level characters. You get to roll some dice. You get to talk a lot of stuff, and you don't have to worry about dying. If that's what you like. If that's what you like. For me, no, not necessarily. But I think it's a well-written adventure. I highly recommend it. Okay. Great. Well, I think the next one is me, uh, which is The Fiend of Hollow Mine. Ooh, Fiend. Which is a fourth level adventure. Okay. You can't talk fiends out of not trying to kill people, right? Uh, Well, the reason I picked this was because the artwork showed a a bunch of ghouls. And I was like, I like Undead. This seems like a promising start for me. Um, Just... (laughs) I feel like we're there's a button there. Just to uh, get it out of the way, I looked at all the encounters in this because there is some combat in here. Um, they are a mix of hard slash deadly. Um, uh, there's a deadly plus encounter. There's a couple of like medium hard things. Okay. So 
uh, per the 5e math, which is incredibly unreliable, this is supposed to be a <laughs> yes. hard adventure. Uh, if your characters have, you know, a, like two permanent magic items each on them, it's not going to be hard adventure. Mm-hmm. It's going to be more like medium. Right. But this adventure is about a deadly magical curse called Syring. Uh, oh, actually, huh, I just noticed they did not put that pronounced. Oh, they did. Uh, Sereno, sorry. Uh, called Sereno, uh, and it's killing people in the arid borderlands around the city of uh, San C. Talon. I okay. just looked at that pronunciation. I forgot it already. So San C. Uh, Talon is a large, this is kind of, um, I want to say Latin American, Mexico kind of style uh, culture okay. to it. Like that's uh, kind of the influence going on. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening is a person has made a deal with some fiends and in return, they have given power uh, within a city. And they're trying to uh, corrupt the surrounding areas, gain more political power. And in doing so, they have found someone else and have kind of tricked them into accepting more demonic power. And they are re- that person that they tricked is releasing this deadly curse on the people. Uh, the way the curse works, it looks like a disease, but uh, for every hour you are not exposed to bright sunlight specifically, mm-hmm. you have to make a con save or you take a level of exhaustion. If you get down to six, of course you die. For every level you're not exposed? Correct. So if you're <laughs> inside a building resting like a sick person does you're gonna die faster than if you're just outside or you know you go to sleep that night you might not wake up in the morning <laughs> well that sucks yep uh it's actually kind <laughs> of we'll sounds, get to that part that sounds like first edition i love it <laughs> and so you kind of start here uh trying to investigate what this disease is going on or actually, the other idea is that you come here looking for a revolutionary fighter to kidnap and, uh, well, not kidnap, uh, imprison and get a reward for capturing the revolutionary fighter. That immediately turns around because the revolutionary fighter is like, well, actually, I'm a good person and you should believe me as opposed to the group of bounty hunters you just uh, who just attacked you. <laughs> okay. It's kind of a weird start. Not going to lie. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat that part. But if you go along with the revolutionary fighter, who apparently is a good person who's trying to take down the regime, mm-hmm. then, um, <laughs> sorry, uh, Paloma is the is the revolutionary fighter. She is like Robin Hood, but uses the assassin stat block. Oh, look, another <laughs> oh. person using the assassin stat That's block. not Robin Hood. Yeah, a lot of poison, even though she has a huge machete on her hip. Um, okay. but, uh, and a walking stick, but she, uh, she asked the party to investigate. And in return, instead of each player getting a hundred gold for capturing her, they'll get 150 gold for helping her. So, you know, there you go. Yeah. Uh, the way this works out is she sends them to a mine. They investigate it. Uh, they had to fight uh cultist in there. They had to fight, uh, some other minor things, within the mine they then chase a person from the mine into uh the city Mm -hmm. where they can do a little investigation they'll meet the uh the person who has inadvertently made like the demonic pact and is spreading the curse throughout the city so the guy doesn't know 
Yeah, the guy okay. who, well, he kind of knows and regrets it, but isn't really doing much until, like, he breaks down and cries to his mom. You talk to the mom. If you tell her, yeah, we're going to go gank your son, she doesn't want to talk to you for some reason. <laughs> if you're like, yeah, we'll try and help him get rid of this curse, then she'll talk with you and try and um, give you, uh, like, you can get, like, a, a necklace from her that will remind her son of being a human. Yeah, that's mom love. Yeah. Uh, so you then have to search through the rest of the city. Eventually, you'll find the politician who made the demonic uh, pact and mm-hmm. the other guy who's suffering. The guy who's suffering uh, transforms into a owl bipedal creature, page 65 for the artwork, okay. called a... I'm going to grab that pronunciation guide. Talakate Kolo. Hey, at least you have a pronunciation guide. I couldn't even promote pronounce a fucking common word anyways continue <laughs> persimmon's really hard Chris. yeah i know but wow that thing's so it's sort of like an owl bear but yeah it's not? like a weird demon uh skinny humanoid owl bear neat i guess but i like it kind of cool um and you can use the the item that the mother gives you to try and remind this person because this demon's infected him, like possessed him, mm-hmm. and he transforms into this. If you can remind him of his humanity, make some checks, then like he like the demon will basically like be pushed out of him because he remembers what it is to be human. Okay, and then you can kill this thing. Uh, it's it's death ends the curse for everyone so the way you end this uh venture is either you kill him and the demon at the same time Mm because the demon's possessing him the way to kill it easy is just kill him boom done you don't have to worry about the uh the demon thing or you can split him and deal with the demon thing uh kill the demon he saved the demon's gone curse lifted so you cast him out like most exorcist movies and then you do a um game of thrones and when you kill the guy everything else is is taken care of yeah yeah okay. so so you know there's, there's a good ending and there's a bad ending I, like uh, it. I guess the good ending is the one where you save the guy according <laughs> to the mom yeah well all right well, okay it's it's an interesting adventure mm-hmm. it's and this is going to be the same critique i have for uh the the next two adventures i read it's bare bones. The information they provide is bare bones. They're, it's like, go here. Uh, once you're here, there's these five rooms. Here's a little bit of information about the five rooms. Uh, you can come up with some description, descriptive text, whatever. Uh, they're going to go to this city. Uh, there's a section at the back of this uh, gazetteer for the uh, the city. We're not going to tell you anything about the city. Uh, eventually, they find the mom. And it's like, well, how the hell are they finding the mom? Uh, well, they might make an investigation check. And, like, that's about it. Uh, there is a section in here where it says the villagers are incredibly tight-lipped and won't talk to the players. That's like everyone. Unless the players succeed on a DC-12 persuasion check. What level adventures? Fourth. <laughs> DC-12 okay. equals tight-lipped, Chris. They aren't really tight-lipped, then, are they? You gotta really screw up your old. <laughs> the other thing is, when you enter the city... It is during this large fest, uh, festival where it's um, it's kind of like a day of remembering the dead. And it's like this thin planar walls between the dead and the living. And like the dead can like talk with the living and stuff. Wasn't it a Disney movie? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's also based off of um, in uh, the uh, it's not Day of the Dead. Jeez. 
No, I know it's I, I but I understand what you're saying. So I understand where you're saying. Yeah. Like it's a very uh, Latin American kind of concept. Yeah. Because. But you stop in the middle of chasing down this horrendously uh, awful demon with this curse that ticks over every hour. <laughs> and you stop and they provide information about taking part in festivities. Cool. Don't worry about the curse that's ticking away every hour for these It'll people. still be there after you have a little fun. Um, interestingly enough, I say the adventure is bare bones. Part of the reason is the there's a chase in the city, mm-hmm. and they reprint the chase rules from the Dungeon Master's Guide in here, taking up about maybe a little bit less than a page of the adventure. They don't just say follow chase rules on... No, and like that confused me because we're going very bare bones on this adventure so we can fit it all in here, mm-hmm. but you decided you're going to take up almost an entire page to reprint chase rules. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that wasn't a wise use of page space. Mm-hmm. Well, you just kind of talked about something I was going to talk about, but okay. Agreed. So, so that, that, that's the adventure. It's interesting. I, I, the adventure itself doesn't really excite me. Um, I like the, the demon at the end of it. It's, I bet, I mean, it's kind of the same basic 5e stat block. Here's mm-hmm. a monster. It has a lot of hit points. It deals some damage. Have fun hitting it. It doesn't really do much craziness. But I like the idea of the monster. The The idea, the inspiration behind the monster is very interesting. The adventure itself, ah, it's fine. Um, it's great if you just want to grab something quick without uh, worrying too much about, you know, planning or anything like that it's fine for that Mm -hmm. i don't know if there's anything else i need to cover but yeah that's that's the basics of this adventure i did sins of our elders which uh oh nope that one comes before your next one yep so you go we're gonna flip over to page 78 all right good all right keep what what's this one about so sins of our elders is a six level adventure Mm -hmm. okay a beloved folk hero of the city of uh Yon Ido uh, was wronged by the royal family and died in shame. Unable to rest peacefully, she returned as a spirit called a Guishwin and became convinced that the uh, Guishin, sorry, and became convinced that the city she had dedicated her life to had forgotten her. Now the powerful spirit spreads a mysterious fog across land that drains the memories of Yon Ido's people so they aren't even aware of their own ruin. Don't go into the fog. Uh, the encounters are, uh, and I think there's only three encounters, is medium, hard heart. Uh, but it's also against a bunch of CR2s over and over. So it's not, it, per, per 5e math rules, it's hard, but it's actually not. It's right. not dangerous at all. You fight some gargoyles, and how exciting is that? And some wolves. And yeah, how exciting. There's no uh, new monster for this adventure. I'm pretty sure. Nope, no new monster for this one. But it is about a woman who feels forgotten uh, in death because the queen stole all of her glory. The queen's uh, brother claims that the queen did all this work that this major, uh, not necessarily a general, but mm-hmm. this important woman, uh, who was a fighting woman, uh, had done for the city. All the advancements they'd done, all these things. She feels forgotten. And so when the queen's statue is erected after she passes away, 
from old age. She comes back as this haunting spirit and is afflicting the city with a curse to kind of forget what happens when the fog comes in for five minutes. And then she attacks and destroys things. So <laughs> not, not mad at all. You then have to spend the adventure going around the city because for whatever reason, you guys, your adventuring party is not affected by this curse, by the fog. We're fucking heroes, dude. <laughs> Well, and and it specifically says, like, all creatures of her choice uh, uh, have to make a save or forget everything that happens in the fog. And the entire city fails their save, apparently. They only get one. And they have to use a D8, I guess. But you don't because you're the ones that are going to kill her, so she's not going to affect you. Makes sense. It's weird. So, so you have to go to three different places, mm-hmm. find these uh, these symbols where people still like quote unquote remember her. It's uh, an old shrine to her, like lost in the jungle that's okay. been overgrown. There's a teacup from a tea house that she used to frequent all the time when she was alive okay. that has her name on it. Okay, and then you have to get an amulet from the queen's brother that screwed her over in life because he has. <laughs> he has regrets about how he screwed her over in life. But no, he's not going to fix the situation. That would be ridiculous. Oh, God. Because it's all about honor within the family, and it would bring great dishonor to uh, to him and his family and the legacy of the queen if you went and was like, yeah, we done fucked up. So... All those things you think we did, she actually did. And I should say... Typical white male? Ah, the Dragonborn male. Thank you very much. Okay. Her name is uh, Da Jo Wan, which is spelled D-A-E-W-O-N. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. I, I looked at the wrong one. It's De Wan Ha. So D-A-E space W-O-N dash H-A. You would not realize that's her. That's how you're actually supposed to say the name because uh, <laughs> they misspell it multiple times throughout the adventure. Do they really? As Wong Ha, so there's a G at the after the N. Wan Ha, so there's W A N, um, and they do that a couple of different times throughout the adventure. <laughs> and so I kept going back, and I was like, I th- I don't remember which one's the. I'm going with the one that's in the pronunciation guide. Now I will say they do spell her name right. At least I, I assume that's the right way to spell it. Majority of the time, but they do misspell it. So it's more like, than twice. It's like when you have to edit something I write. Great. <laughs> and so. You kind of go through the city. You find these things. You have a couple of minor fights. They're not mm-hmm. very dangerous. Um, and then, like, the big ending thing is you can either fight her or if you show her these three things and succeed on a check or it specifies you have very good role playing, then uh, she calms down and she peacefully departs from the city. Uh, it's, you know, like, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, you're giving a different win condition, which is fun. Which is uh, an interesting way of doing it. You know, it's it's not necessarily a bad way of doing it, Chris. I see you shaking your head. But also, I'm going to say, like, <laughs> I kind of forgot what this adventure is about, and I only read it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> didn't really stick with you, huh? No. It, unfortunately, this adventure didn't really stick with me. I originally picked it because uh, it seemed like kind of a cool thing. Again, Undead. I like Undead. Right. That's cool. The other one had Demons and Undead. This one has uh, Vengeful Spirit and then that's that's the spirit doesn't really vengefulness she's a ghost she's not exactly frightening it didn't really do much for me but i could see like 
oh, well, that's an interesting way of going about and reducing the spirit. I can kind of steal some of this for my own game, reflavor everything, and kind of do my own kind of spin, mm-hmm. um, and use those artifacts to like depower the spirit. So instead of it being like a CR9, maybe it jumps down to CR7 if you have an artifact that reminds them of who they were in their past. Like that's like, I kind of like that idea, which is like something that I could steal for my own games. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I'm getting from this book is ideas to steal, not necessarily adventures to run. Oh, okay, I can see that. Uh, I will point out one other thing before I jump over to uh, your next adventure, Chris. Is uh, this is a place you may have just stumbled upon from a crystal Uber ride <laughs> and know nothing about it. It's only a DC 12 history check to recall all sorts of vague and hidden information about this city. The city that the fog covers and makes everybody forget. Well, the fog is a new thing, to be fair. But it's like, oh, you remember this person who has been forgotten by most of the city? Oh, yeah, it's DC 12 history check to remember her. I wish there was a bit more consideration that these places could be wholly unknown or... And, and, and that, like, the writers did not hide information behind very, very easy checks. Right. But rather force the players to role play and talk to villagers or to, like, you know, do a little bit of investigation on their own instead mm-hmm. of just rolling one check and now they have the answer. Right. Like, that just, like, it, it feels too easy at that point and more like you're just, you just roll a die and see if you win the game or not. <laughs> okay. Uh but yeah, so that was uh, Sins of Our Elders. Excellent. See, so yeah, I think I'm up next. And... Yes, because I uh, my last <laughs> adventure is the last adventure. Uh, okay, cool. So I'll do the next two. Trail of Destruction. Oh. Uh, eighth level. Wait. Yeah, eighth level characters. <laughs> do you need so me to read that small. for you? Um, so Ooh, two... I just flipped. There's a half-naked man. Yes, two things before we get started for a general. Uh... Oh, shit. That's cool. Yeah. Art is excellent. Yeah, I'll, th- I'll throw up the uh, the the artwork on 107. Yes. I won't spoil what's there until uh, Chris talks. <laughs> thanks. So two general comments based on what you said and what I was writing to. Uh, one, yeah, each of these adventures is very much railroading adventures. You follow a linear line, and if they deviate, you just move them back either with a simple check or, you know, you have to find the mom. You find the mom. How? Well, we don't know. Here you go. They got limited page space, Chris. Exactly. And I, I understand why they do that. Well, they have I, to. That's a negative in my book. Is it is. That they have such limited yes. page space. I'd rather, instead of having 13 adventures, they did 10 or 9 mm-hmm. adventures, but deepen each adventure. Give it a little bit more meat yeah, for I, each adventure. I agree 100%. I understand why they did it. I agree with you that less adventures for more content would be great. Uh, the second thing is what really disappoints me. And I forgot to mention this in the beginning. I think, you know, it should be okay. Tale of destruction an adventure for eighth level characters. How about, I don't know who the hell wrote this. How about a little paragraph bio of by his background, their background, their background. Thank you. Uh, 
Yeah. And then how, maybe what influenced them to See, write this? I was leaving a gripes at the, uh, yeah. at the end because I felt like I was giving too many gripes. But yeah. I definitely want to know um, who like, wrote the what? adventures. Right. And like maybe it was a group effort on all these. I don't think so, though, no, because they are so all have like these different ways of writing. That's a little bit insubstantial to talk about. Mm-hmm. But like I want to know who wrote each one. So then like that's not just helpful for you know us to share their their stuff but also for all dms to just go on twitter and be like hey i wasn't quite sure what you meant about this yeah. uh specific section in your city and I mean, then on twitter they can just respond back like you get like a little bit of back and forth and right it's, it's it's a very nice situation because i mean i don't want to have to guess based on the art the pronunciation guide of what the names are what culture i'm they're trying to incorporate into the adventure i mean i'm looking at the art i'm like oh and I'm looking at the names. I'm like, this feels like a very, I mean, the first thing that popped in my, my head was Aztec civilization. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say that and be insulting to the per, to the, the author that wrote that when they're like, no, that's not what it is at all. Well, I don't know. I'm it's making inc- a guess. Yeah, I'm making a total guess on what it is. I don't think that's fair to the author. I definitely don't feel like it's fair to me because I can easily make an idiot of myself myself so yeah and 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 if you're wondering why you might want to know kind of like what culture was inspired it's so then you can then research more of it because there i learned so much about our own history because i stumbled on like a weird mythological monster and like that's really cool i want to know more about like what inspired it from that culture Mm -hmm. it's not because i want to like rip and just like make fun of that culture it's because I want to know more about it. Yes. Uh, for the minuscule chance that uh, any of you authors like actually listen to the podcast, we'll have you on the podcast. You can write an article for us to explain a little bit more. Anyways, um, Trail of Destar- Destruction. Lots of fire. Yes, I see that from the artwork. It looks exciting. <laughs> Volcanic eruptions. I'm kind of jealous. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's basically like the apocalypse is happening. What the hell? So characters like go into the city and they're like uh we're all gonna die love is bad we need you to help they're like okay <laughs> do you um, want to say what the city is called no i don't there's no way uh great um i have the pronunciation guide and i'll still <laughs> screw it up so you they roll into town it's you know they're all right so they're rolling into town there's a caravan uh and you immediately jump into hopefully combat. You don't have to fight. You can basically watch the the, the merchants and travelers that are going die if you want to go that route. Yeah, but you're fighting fire snakes and salamanders. And I'll tell you what, what hooked me on this one right away when I looked at it, the art and you're fighting salamanders. Totally underrated creature. I mean, I've, they're CR five. Uh-huh. What, it annoys me a little bit that they're elementals now. I get why they did that. That's a whole other conversation. They used to be more, they're more humanoid in my opinion, but that's fine. They're elementals. They well, live in the fire. The, they're basically from the plane of fire. Yeah, yeah. They're kind of like I fire nudes, right? Yeah, I get it. CR5 creatures, they got some cool abilities. I was like, sweet. And then your first, your first encounter is kind is actually not kind of real easy for, uh, you know, CR for eighth level characters because you're fighting two CR5 salamanders in... Two, uh, two salamanders and two fire snakes, which the fire snakes at eight level, you're just like, boop, you're dead. Yeah, I think. They're CR1. Per like the 5e math, that might be like medium hard. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you get too close to a fire elemental, you're going to be burned, but ev- what? everybody's resistant to fire. Anyways, so you deal with that. I like it. You start off with a little bit of fighting. Um, 
you basically talk to the the priest that's there. He's the priest that you save, hopefully. Um, she wants you to go figure out what the hell's going on. You know, we don't like, you know, lava bursting out of the ground and volcanoes erupting everywhere. So, you know, you're like, okay, you can explore the town that you're in. But the whole point is to get your ass moving. So you have to go to uh, what's it called? The Twin Gods Observatory. There's a bunch of guys sitting in this observatory that have been monitoring, you know, the volcanoes for ever, I guess. And yeah, they're they're still going, oh, wow, there's a lot of activity there. They haven't done anything. They haven't been like, everybody get out. They're like, we should study this more. So you get there there's an there's a fun um and i do like this there's you know while you're uh while you're traveling while you're in the city there is a no there's only four a volcanic awakening chart that you can roll on where you can just be like hey you're on the road and you know a little mini uh you know it vents it's like you're walking by a geyser that vents and you're going to take poison damage if you get too close you know ash rains down of you you know you there's like monsters to fight there's not many choices but there's random encounters that's great that's mm-hmm. missing from the game <laughs> so one of the things that cracks me up on this is you can there's a there's a place that you can stop on the way it's a little town and you can run into a tiefling priest stat block that can come with you or he appears later if he doesn't come with you Olin, I think that's... Yeah, you. just skipping yeah, through Olin. this adventure. They use a pre-stat block a lot. Yeah, so Olin is a... There's a picture of him on 109. You definitely have to... All I can think of is he's a dancer in a club in Miami or Key West. That's how he's dressed. I mean, I get it. And he's, and he's described as bombastic traveling dancer. He's going to be flamboyant. He's going to be a lot of fun as an NPC to play the DM to play for. I think that's great. Um, not sure how you're going to play him, but the picture just, uh, the first thing that popped into my mind was, oh, there's an old movie with Robin Williams and somebody else where the, the, the gay couple were Robin Williams. Yes. That's the first thing that popped in my head. Cause he looks exactly like the, uh, the show that they're putting on mm-hmm. down below them. Anyways, you get the observatory shit's going on. You have to climb up to the top of the observatory to talk to the main guy whose name is, uh, you know, escaping me at the moment. Halfway up, mm-hmm. volcanoes erupt and the thing starts to collapse. You have two options. You got to get to the top to save the guy or you get the fuck out. Uh, you have six. I'm leaving? Yeah, you have six rounds to do it or whenever the DM thinks it's thematically appropriate. If you get to the top of the, ta- the, top of the tower or the observatory, you're 200 feet up. Mm-hmm. If you're there in the sixth round, you're falling 200 feet, and you can be buried underneath the rubble. I don't care if you're eighth level; that's gonna fucking hurt. And the yeah. guy that you go in to rescue with all the information you really want dies. So all right, good. that sucks. So you get there, you do all that. He tells you to go to the gate. The gate is where they bring the uh, they the, where a lot of the merchants are trying to bring their offerings to you know the god that you know they've always prayed to that keeps the volcanoes quiet. I should have said that in the beginning. On the some random reason, on the way while you're traveling there, you run into a giant who is basically scaring away travelers. He doesn't want anybody to go to the gate. Huh. 
Don't know why. Obviously a fire giant. His name is back to there is Shakapo. Shakapo. Okay. Yeah. He knows some stuff. He's a, you know, you can talk to him and he knows that the bad guys, oh, good Lord. The, there's the ancient creatures, the Theshalo, whatever. Oh, forget it. Uh, the creatures that you are based, that the ancient ruins tell you is probably what is starting this, even though people don't believe it. He's just like, yeah, I think they're alive. They're definitely inside the volcano that you're going to be heading to and something's going on. He'll come with you because as you're traveling, you may run into some other things. What you may run into, I don't know, but he's too big to get through the gate, so he can't go with you. Aww. So you get That's to like the, giving you a pet and then like immediately taking yeah, away the puppy. I know. You get to the gate of illumination, and the whole thing is you're not really supposed to fight him. In fact, you don't fight him. There's nothing in there that really says that you're going to fight him. He's not interested in fighting. If you attack him, he'll fight back. But even then, He's just going to try and scare you away. He doesn't want to fight. Is he just jealous because he's not getting any of these He's too big. Yeah, no, he's too big to get in. No. Okay. So you get to the Gate of Illumination, small map, one, two, one, two, three, four, five, six places you can go. You kind of wander around a little bit. The You find uh, the people that they had originally sent. There were some warriors that they sent, and that's the whole basis of the adventures that you're supposed to go find them, not figure really out what's going on. That's the other half, I guess. So you go there, you wander around, and eventually you run into one of the creatures, just one of the ancient creatures that has come out of the lava, and his name is Azel, I think. Let me see. Yeah, Azil. Sorry. You don't fight him. You can fight him, but, but you... But it looks so cool. Yeah, you can it's talk to him. flaming lava mm-hmm. axolotl. Yeah, uh, you... <laughs> Through convincing the role or role playing or seek or succeeding on a DC twenty uh, charisma check, you can talk him out of his plans and persuade him and the salamanders to go away. That's really what they want you to do. But he's CR ten. There's nothing really. I want to fight him. He wants you to leave. He's not, and actually he's not malevolent. He doesn't really understand humanoids. He's basically trying to wake his brothers and sisters. That's all. So he doesn't think anything bad's going on. So I think they basically say to him. They basically want you to realize that he's not a bad guy, so save him. Oh, and by the way, if uh, the the blue priestess, my favorite guy, hasn't come with you, he's there. Huh. He's hurt, but he's there, and he's going to help you with your charisma check. Uh huh. But I want to fight the sh- the uh, mm-hmm. Lushal waddle. You know, he hasn't killed the missing warriors. That's one of the part of the adventure, you know, because he's just curious about them. Oh, what? What? Oh. I don't get it. I, I don't, I mean, you can fight him. I mean, it does the say. The artwork for this creature is amazing. Yeah, I, it says that if after the character's defeat or basically talk him out of his evil plans. But there's no real thing in here that says it really pushes the talk, don't fight. And that that's what disappointed me the most about mm-hmm. this adventure. I like this one. I like it. There's traveling. There's... You know, there is there's role play, there's traveling, there's NPCs you can use. There's, there's a lot salamanders of salamanders to yeah, fight. There's things to fight. There's a lot of cool stuff. And then I get to the end and I'm just like, no, there's a really cool creature with a high CR. And he can, you think to yourself, ah, he could bring some friendly salamanders in to fight. And it's great. And it, the book wants you to talk it out. No, not what D&D's about. You get to the end and you fight the big baddie and you win and you're giant heroes and you go back and you like get... You mount its head on your tavern walls. Yeah, well, that was just us. Um, 
you know, you you can steal the the ruby encrusted torch sconces and get seven hundred fifty gold. I mean, now you're you're murderers and thieves. It's great. You know, you save some people. Fantastic. Uh, I will point out that you definitely don't want to walk into the lava in the last room because it's uh, and if you start your turn in lava, it's fifty five points of lava damage. Ten d ten. Okay, so if you're stupid enough to walk in the lava, you deserve to be burned a lot. Uh, I think until Annihilation is like 12 d 10 or something like mm-hmm. that, so slightly more. So, I I love this adventure. I think it's awesome. I like the whole plane of fire, the traveling part. There's a giant. There's a flamboyant priest. There, it's it's so cool. The end, I'm going to steer my my uh, players to fight. I am not going to steer murder hobo. to talk. Uh, just because I think D&D, as we talked about, is more about fighting. But I love it. I like the art. I like I like everything about this. Mm-hmm. I would just, I would railroad my players to go one way, <laughs> not the other. I want to use it. Yes, I am. Yeah, I do. As a DM, you get to, you don't want to talk things out all the time. You're like, I have this awesome, I want to, I want to hit these guys. I have an ability called Pyroclasm. Yeah. Let me use it. Yes. So um, this out of my three by far my favorite adventure. Okay. Um, everything about it's fantastic, in my opinion. Okay. I don't like the option at the end. I understand why they put it in. That doesn't ruin it for me. It's disappointing, but doesn't ruin it for me. Fantastic. Okay. I'll go a lot, a lot quicker on this. 11th, 11th level adventure characters. So it is Shadow of the Sun. Shadow of the Sun. <laughs> yes, shut up. Um, this is another one. Yeah. This is another one where, uh, like your previous adventure, you, there's the current governmental uh, setup. Angel, uh, save the city, basically is the uh, leading force within, you know, he's the king, but he's an angel, so he's not really king. And then there is, and there are the protectors of the city who are possibly the good guys. <sighs> I don't know. You get there during a celebration. The... Good guys, the bright sun, bright guard. I'm sorry, and the bright guard, the holy enforcers of the city state. Yeah, when you throw the word enforcer, and it makes it sound like they're kind of, you know, not the not the good guys, maybe. Um, And then there's the uh, rebel groups. There's two different rebel groups. There's the silent roar, and yeah, that's the main one. There's another one that we get into in a second, but silent roar are the pacifist rebels. So you have a uh, autocratic society um, that is rules not necessary through fear but might, and then you have the quote unquote pacifist rebels, the pe- the peaceful. They don't use the word rebels so much as they use the. Uh, the philosophy that they want to return to original self-rule, you know? So, yeah, it's an angel and bright guard and they're fearsome warriors and the angels saved the city 50 years ago. Fantastic. Does that give them the right to have an autocratic rule over the people or should they be given their independence back? Meh, well, you're going to find out in a second. So, you get there, the, the, you know, you're there, you're there during the big celebration, uh... There's, you know, there, there's, yeah, it's once a week, every three years, a lunar phenomenon bathes the city in the light in the dead of night. So you're, you're basically 
in Alaska, not Alaska because it's a desert setting where the sun shines all day. The yeah, I know that's a random idea. Uh, it's called Brilliant Night, and you arrive. Yeah, you arrive there when uh, the angel has suspended the curfew that is going on. Another thing where it's sort of like, yes, I am your great power. I am going to bless this upon you, and I'm see, I'm the good guy. Uh, so yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. It's an angel. But he's kind of ruling over them. So, anyways, you'll get to pick your side. And for no apparent reason, there's a there there's an attack in this. You know, when you first get there, there's vessels going on. Bright guard are there. They're kind of protecting everybody, making sure everybody's doing good. And then anarchi- anarchists like don't fight. They come out and they basically have boom hailers where they say bad things. <gasps> yeah, they're just like That's my job. You're like. Down with the tyrants. Okay. Great. Brightguard don't really like that. They start to argue back and forth. They're not trying to kill them. And then during the middle of that, a purple worm erupts out of the ground. <laughs> Dude, I love the fact that there's a purple worm. Yes. Uh, it's not even a red herring. It's just, it's bad editing. It's just a purple worm. I can't hate it because you get to fight a purple worm. Does a purple worm send Ser- anyone? No, it serves no purpose. And that oh. I can figure out. Okay. Instead of going through the whole thing, the crux of the thing, you have a couple different adventures. You have to go defeat the anarchists that you just ran into. Not defeat them, but, you know, go figure out what's going on with them. Yeah, get their side of the story. Yeah, well, they're, they're, you don't have to really get into the whole thing with them. You're just basically going and finding them, finding their hideout, and not necessarily, you're not really killing them. There's a Jin that's involved. He doesn't really care what the hell's going on. He's just there because he's a Jin and he only cares about himself. So, yeah, uh, big deal. You can fight him. And it's one of those like annoying fights where, yeah, you can talk to him or you can fight him, which is great. And then he gets to 50 hit points and he's just like, peace out, bitches, and plane shifts away. I hate when that happens. Okay. So when he gets when he's getting around 60 hit points fucking crit him or use like i hope you saved your high level spells if you want death and mayhem so you do that uh then you get a second request you go to see you know the peaceful rebels um they think the bright guard think he's doing something bad they're gonna do something horrible turns out they're putting on a uh a play <laughs> you know it's not really what it's like what it's ban- the play's banned because, you know, the angel says and the to the holy warriors say it's a banned play. What? Doesn't it's 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 called the first queen and it tells the story of the ruler that delivered the people from a demon. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Great. So you also find out that they've kidnapped somebody that's close to the rebels and they're just like, oh, can you save him? We're going to put a plan together to save him. So then that's when you have to decide whose side you're on. Are you going to go with the angel and his holy warriors? Or are you going to go with the rebels who are the other good guys? Depends on the rebels. Yeah, it depends on what you're looking for. I mean, can't trust an angel. That's the whole thing. It's like, uh, yeah, you save the city and you make sure it's protected great at the same time there's people that want to go back to self-rule 
Sounds an awful lot like Star Wars to me, but what do I know? Um, the people are imprisoned in crystals because, you know, that's what you do with, uh, you know, people that disagree with you. You imprison them in, in crystals forever because that seems right. And you have a choice. You can defend the crystals with a break guard or you can break them out with the, with the rebels. Great. You know, the final, con the final conflict gives you two options. You can re you do it, you can fight the break guard and then go back. And if you do, you get, let's see, you get a sapphire worth a lot of money. And is it each person? Yeah, each character gets a cloak that, that basically has wings and you get wings of flying. So you get flying cloaks. Great. If you return to the quote unquote rebels, you get an Iune stone of leadership. And oh, and a lifetime of pastries from one of the local bakeries. Oh, that's awesome. I want to fly. Oh, no. And that's the other thing, too. They really, yeah, they know that the angel and the bright guard are kind of, you know, you want to be, you want to free them from the city. Well, if you go with the bright guard, you get a Pegasus, too. <laughs> yeah, you get, you get to get a flying horse. They really make it enticing to be like, yeah, we know we're kind of not the best rulers in the world but we keep the peace oh and you get a lot of toys well, uh, or pastries and pastries so overall uh, impressions meh 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 what wasn't my favorite i mean it's not bad it's not great uh it's a good one if you want to you decide who's good who's bad and you make a choice and you can fight for either side uh sure but it felt felt like a star wars game where mm -hmm. You could, you know, you can go through and you can decide, you know, a lot of them now you have the option. Do you want to play a stormtrooper or do you want to play a rebel? Uh, hashtag the Empire did nothing wrong. Yeah. Um, and you never play a stormtrooper because if you know anything about the movies, you can't hit a goddamn thing with a phaser. Uh, a blaster, excuse me. Uh, that's Mixing metaphors. the rebels are the worst. Yeah. So anyways, meh. It, it's a meh one for me. I, people, some people like it. Some people won't. Wasn't my favorite. Yes, I'm doing the last adventure known as uh, Orchids of the Invisible Mountain, an adventure Ooh. for 14th level characters. I picked the last one because I know Chris was picking the first one, and I thought it could be like a good book. And also, I also picked this one, and I was excited to read through it because uh, Fate Wild in the Far Realm. Mm, so, the lands of Atagua, Atagua exists at a weak point between several planes of existence. Feywild influences work upon the land, but in recent years, corruption from the Far Realm has begun leaking into the savannah. The characters must journey to the Feywild and beyond to quell the alien forces spreading across the increasingly surreal planes. Uh, the encounters are mostly medium. There's two... Uh, nope, only one that's deadly at the end... Um, and then there's like two super duper easy ones that, you know, like, I guess you're, they're just there. So the high level players feel good when they just wallop something. Uh, the basics of this are the players investigate the town, um, in Atagawa where a rifts are like opening up and causing the ground to, uh, to become corrupted like uh the regular land that should be there gets swept swapped out with different types of land and it's causing all this hay uh this mayhem for miners and things of that nature okay and they are asked by the leader of the mining company to kind of figure out what's going on 
So they take on the job and are um, have to make their way to the Feywild. Where, uh, oh, actually, <laughs> I forgot about this one section. So after they rescue some miners from being attacked, uh, and before the mine owner asks them to to investigate what's going on, a f- uh, a planar rift appears, and a thousand year old human war- elite warrior talks through the planar rift asking them to help as the far realm is encroaching and is going to like uh destroy things and it's causing these horrible dreams within the people Hmm. and uh, there's a couple of other things it does not get deep into it it's very easy to skip over that section because again they're being very brief uh and this one includes too many dungeons oh neat uh, the, the only one that else that had a mini dungeon that I read was the, uh, the first one with the ghouls and the demon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then a, huh? no, it's a parrot parrot flies through the planar rift. Um, its name is Nene and, uh, is going to be there to provide guidance to the party and make sure they stay on track and they go to the Feywild. Okay, so the parrot railroads people. Yes, the awesome. parrot knows where the uh, where a portal to the Feywild exists. In case no one in the group has plane shift uh, on the way there, they encounter a Thriking just for fun, who is being attacked by a Griffin again. CR two versus fourteenth level. That 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 Griffin dies real quick, and the Thriking is saved, and that's the end of the Thriking. Wait, what? He doesn't come with you? No, no. The Thriking sells uh, salted jerky made from what was it that he sold because i was like oh that's sad capybara capybara jerky what what <laughs> which is just like a giant Stupid hamster gerbil meat. thing which are incredibly docile and loving <laughs> what okay okay continue i'm sorry i, I think the writer liked thriking i don't I know what to tell you chris no i don't did we do a deep dive on them <laughs> uh we have not yet but we should because they're from uh dark sun and so you arrive in a specific plateau in the Feywild. You have to go through a mini dungeon. There are these uh, creatures known as Whistlers, which are these aberrants that come in and they steal emotions and feed off of them and dreams and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you go through this little mini dungeon. Cool. You kill some Whistlers. For some reason, 30 feet away are a coven of night hags. Because night hags are a bitch to fight. And then so. 30 feet away from them are abolifs that are working with the whistlers. So that makes some sense. But for some, like, there's no rhyme or reason why the night hags are there. They're just there uh, as a coven for you to fight. Hey, you know, yeah. night hags don't have to explain themselves to you. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, it just kind of feels like the writer is just stalking a dungeon yeah. and pick that instead of a fourth fight in a row against whistlers. Mm-hmm. Isn't there a creature already that does what they do with the stealing of emotions and sucking you dry with that a hag i don't know yeah it's, okay uh, it's not coming to me off the top of my head yeah okay but so the person who talks to you through the the planar rift her name is urana she is a thousand year old human who is an elite warrior of ancient times chris can you fight him what cr Pardon? are they what what cr are they oh they're gonna be like this is an 18th level adventure uh, this is for 14th level. 14th adventures. level and it's thousand years old. Thousand year old human who is an elite warrior. Made of for a double times. digits. I'm going to say 12. And I'm not uh, the book. You're kind of right in a way. Okay. CR one half. So if you put a slash mark between the one and two of 12, 
You're hurting my she soul. She uses the scout stat block, Chris. You're hurting my soul. <laughs> Why? They specifically say she is an elite warrior and has been fighting for a thousand years and safeguarding the Feywild. CR half. And yes, you have to fight her because the Abolists take her over. Because of course, she's CR half. Of course, she had no chance. Does the wizard just be like, I got this. <laughs> just walks up and stabs um, her with a dagger. But yeah, every time she takes damage, uh, she'll get to make a new wisdom save to break the enslavement of the Abolists. But also, she's CR half. So she's not each, surviving. Each time you hit her. The first and only time you the hit her. The one disintegrate beam that hits her. She's gone. <laughs> okay <laughs> uh i will point out there is a displacer beast um oh. though it doesn't want to fight you instead it just runs away okay yeah so you get through that mini dungeon you find uh the that you need to get a MacGuffin so you can go to the far realm and fix what's going on okay uh so you have to head back to the material plane to get MacGuffin. <laughs> do you want to know what the MacGuffin is you're gonna tell me anyway so sure it's a hammock mm. the hammock of worlds <laughs> Okay, why? So, do you get in it? No, no. Uh, they have to do a not you. Uh, you have to get some people together who understand how the hammock of worlds work, and then they will do basically an hour long ritual at night to activate the hammock of worlds, and then you get to step through it to the far room. You don't have to try. Do you have to make like a dex save to like get in it? And then if you nope, make nope. your DC 12 you dex just, save, you fall out. Uh, apparently the hammock just sags and then it opens up a gateway. Oh, I'm not good at getting in hammocks. But anyways, okay, uh, that's so bizarre. If you do somehow save Yorana and you're like, great, we're going to bring this badass or half uh, person with us to help save the world. There's a reason <laughs> why Yorana can't stop the Elder, elder Evils? Because if she leaves the Feywild, she will rapidly age and die. Oh, it's not because she's CR half? No, <laughs> no. So this is a thing specific toward, towards her. But I have a small problem with this because this is just kind of pulled out the ass. Or the, the Feywild does not have this, this property. But there is a plane that has this property, which is the Astral Plane. I don't have a problem with the astral plane having this property because it's been well documented that you don't age on the astral plane. And when you leave, you take all those years that you skipped while on the astral plane and you're probably going to die if you've been there for a thousand years. But they did. They just gave that property to some lady in the Feywild when we could have had an astral plane adventure oh. where the lore already backed that up and gave you a built in reason instead of you having to come up with one why Yorana can't go with you. And help save the world. Even though she's supposed to be this big elite guardian. Maybe she's on the answer. That was just a bit of issue I had with like established lore and then all that. Like we could have done an astral plane adventure. But you we didn't. mean why does the druid get to turn into an owlbear? Got it. Ah, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so you were sent to find uh, the Dawn Mother who actually has the hammock. Okay. Uh, I forgot to mention this part. Uh, she carries the hammock around. Uh, conveniently enough, when you leave the the Feywild, come back to the material plane, a Thrykeen is running away and asks you to come save them as the Dawn Mother, conveniently enough, is currently killing all the Thrykeen. Well, at least you found her. Uh, well, merchant Thrykeens that are traveling. Uh, she's a storm giant. And, and and so you either beat her until she has 50 hit points and then she's like, oh, this was a bad idea to attack Thrykeen. Or you just talk to her and be like, why are you killing Thrykeen? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Here's this hammock. 
Uh, there isn't really a rhyme or reason why she's attacking the Thrykeen besides, like, the Far Realms infecting her. Okay, well... It's very convenient she's there, though, because you need the hammock that she's carrying. Well, at least she doesn't plane shift away to leave you, like, like hanging and sad. But So, you then head into the Far Realm now that mm-hmm. you've gotten the hammock and the uh, yeah. the people have done, like, a little ritual for you to go through it. Mm-hmm. You arrive in the Far Realm. Uh, it doesn't really feel like the Far Realm. There's nothing in the text that makes you, like... Wow, this is like a weird, abstract other reality, like a different dimension than ours. Right. Uh, instead, it's just like a mini dungeon through the corpse of a bug thing. Drought elder. Yeah, the drought elder. It's just its corpse. So you go through there. You have to get a, another MacGuffin, which is like this crystal seed that's like siphoning people's dreams into the far realm. The dead thing sounds very astral plane again. Yeah, yeah. There, there's. The corpses of dead gods on the astral plane. Right. They could have put this entire venture on yeah. the astral plane and it would have been, you know, great okay. in line with established lore. Okay. Uh, during this time, you fight a beholder. You fight a demi-lich. That's, the demi-lich is kind of like the deadly mm-hmm. encounter at the end of this. Um, and that's... Jerry uh, Mouther. That's pretty much the... Yes, there's... Yeah, that's a super duper easy fight. That's the end of the adventure. It's, uh, it's kind of a weird adventure. They could have use established lore a little bit more and you don't really even see the civilization or like the society you don't even see like the society that that this is supposed to be based off like the gazetteer you do like there's a journey where you have to walk for like three days to get to the feywild planar rift and you spend a day at the city if you want but otherwise, like, there's nothing to do with that society. Okay. Instead, you just jump to the Feywild, you jump over to the Far Realm, end of adventure. And so it kind of feels pointless. Gotcha. But yeah. So that's Orchids of the Invisible Mountain. Kind of a disappointing last adventure, <laughs> in your opinion? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a adventure for high-level characters. I mean, it does. Like, I love uh, the thought process of, like, jumping into a if giant If there was, like, this body. big elder evil to fight, then, yeah, it'd feel like a high mm-hmm. level. Yeah. Well, well, we'll go ahead, jump into final thoughts. We'll rate the book. So, uh, Chris, any final thoughts? How much did Dumpstad pay for the book? Each one's uh, 50 plus tax. I'd buy it. 13 adventures? 13 mini adventures? That seems like you're getting your bang for your buck. Uh, I do feel like, based on, you know, what we talked about before... They're kind of setting it up where they could do another one of these books quite easily. I mean, a lot mm. of things have set it up for a sequel. But fine, you know, hey, there's 12 more Lost Societies. We could go on adventures well, to find each they one. They leave that open for the DM to do that. Right, which is lazy, but I got it. Four to five, if I had to. I Again, I didn't read all the adventures. I liked two out of three adventures. Yeah, one the first one wasn't my style, but it was great. It was well-written. It's well-thought-out. It incorporates a lot of what they're doing now. Second adventure, I like Salamanders. Thought it was thought it was a good adventure. Thought there were aspects of everything you'd want in a, in a mini-adventure. Travel, dungeons, fighting things. Uh, my last one, not me. Purple Worm for some random reason. Don't understand why. But I'd give it a 4 out of 5. I think that you can run the mini-adventures and it opens up a ton of possibilities for a DM to build this world even further. Okay. I've written down my final thoughts, so I'm just, I'll just read Just this. read them? Yeah. So this book is largely, in my opinion, going to be known for its unique cultures that it offers for GMs to be inspired by, not by the adventures or the locations within it. 
Okay. The Citadel itself is going to be compared to places like Sigil a lot because mm-hmm. they act as an important resting place for the party and a place that is familiar to them as they level up and is uh, treated as a home base. Right now, Citadel has little information about it and feels incomplete. I know the critique will be countered with, well, it's for the DM to fill in and do with as they like. But Sigil was given tons of information and still has the ability to let the DM fill in and do as they like. And in fact, having more information encourages DMs to take what exists and provide their own twists and improvements to what they create, as they are no longer having to create a bunch of taverns or other simple things, since that's already created for them. Hmm. They can spend more time on creating what's important to them things that they have unique ideas for without being bogged down in that other minutia. They they get the opportunity to to look at other things instead of feeling like they need to make a tavern. I would give this book you said four or five. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm leaning closer to three okay. out of five. I you know the adventures to me for the most part are not the are not going to be the highlight of what I remember about this book. What's going to be the highlight is going back and reading like the gazetteers and getting back into like uh, reading about these societies, these cultures. Um, the The adventures just didn't do it for me. But like, and maybe s- that's just the three adventures I read. But like you said before, it could inspire you like where you read something about yeah. and be like, oh, wow, I want to learn more about that. You could be like, this one's cool. I'm going to develop it more for my game. Yeah, okay. and, and like, you know, file off the serial numbers, change the NPC names, like change things around and just like take that adventure and bring it in and kind of port it to my own things. Mm-hmm. But what I'm going to be looking back towards is the different societies here, because, I mean, even if all you do is buy this book and just get the societies, that's 15 different societies that they offer here that are not Euro European focused that mm-hmm. we're so used to with like Forgotten Realms, Sword Coast Adventures, right. um, Eberron and things of that nature. Instead, like this is a whole new way of kind of looking at the fantasy genre through different cultural lenses. Yeah. I mean, I could see doing that just out of the three adventures. The very first one, Salted yeah. Legacy. I could see doing that. That's kind of a, it was kind of a fun type of society that I think could easily be developed based on the adventure and the information you get in the gazetteer. Uh, what I would like, which would increase my opinion of this book, is a poster map of the Radiant Citadel. Mm. Uh, with the reverse, could have been maps of different places in the Citadel. Because right now, I have no idea what the inside of these places look like. Uh, all I get is that one uh, overblown map by Mike Shaley of the Radiant Citadel. Yep. And then you get that abstracty kind of art on the next page from it. But that's all of, like what you get for it in regards to maps and seeing things. Um, we could have gotten a huge map like we did with Eberron, where it's like Sharn on there and Ooh, then Eberron yeah. on the back. Yeah. Also, I would have liked writer information for each adventure. Yes. Uh, as well as the level of the adventure and the table of contents, because that was a pain. We've said this multiple times. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they did this with the previous anthology collection with the, um, the library one. I can't remember the name of that takes place in the forgotten realms where it's the the level of the adventure is written inside the adventure not the table of contents where it's easy to find excuse me and then uh right now the citadel itself just feels tacked on to all of this it's not at all important and in the adventures we discussed today there might be one adventure when i was flipping through that might do a little bit more with the radiant citadel but i i, I couldn't remember it off the top of my head to verify that right before we recorded right 
Um, the DM has a lot of work to do, weaving and working in between the adventures to make sure the Citadel is an important place for the party to return to. Because that's the central conceit of what we are given with this book. That is, you know, it's journeys through the Radiant Citadel. And so right now the Radiant Citadel is just kind of there. And there's nothing to help the DMs kind of weave these journeys and include that Radiant Citadel in their game. That's where you go for your long rest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of just how it feels. It's like, oh, this is just where we go to sleep and then we go off somewhere else. There's no fun adventures in the Citadel. All the fun adventures are outside the Citadel. Yeah, okay, I can see that. It's funny that you brought up Sigil. I had the same thought, and I can't find it now. I wish I had written it down. Sigil is shows up in one sentence in the beginning. It uh, does, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I, I think I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, and I had the same thought. I'm like, this... We could have. They could have put this all. Yes, they could have. Which would have been this could have been like doorways in sigil, or like uh, journeys through the doors of sigil, or what Mm -hmm. portals, or whatever. Like you know, I'm not. I'm not marketing guy. They'll they'll come up with something like catchier. They could have just put this in sigil, and then nothing would have changed beyond. Yeah, but I I mean, nothing would have changed. (laughs) I wonder if they didn't do that just because they needed a new place because there's you know old people, old grognards out there that would have been like. Oh, it can't be Sigil. You can't go to these new societies that no one's ever heard of and people bitching sigil about it. Sigil has doors to, to everywhere. everywhere. I know. But, see, that's the issue that you kind of said there that in my mind's like, well, we can't put these new stuff with the old stuff. Like, no. Yeah. We don't need a separate central hub for new places. The old places should be reworked so that they incorporate these new cultures. Because right now, this just feels other- well, when you could have included it with Sigil. New place equals new for new cultures. No. Yeah. All right. Um, but I'd buy it. All right. Yeah. You'd have dumped that by it, which it did. Yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah. I mean, overall, what do you, it's it's a good read. Yeah, I mean, three out of five for me, four out of five for you, sir. Dumpstat gives it a seven out of ten. Um, if you need a collection of adventures for inspiration or because you're doing a lot of world building and you want inspiration from other uh, cultures that yep. see fantasy in a different way, buy it. it if you don't need adventure ideas, you don't need help world building, you just want pretty pictures, you know, you can you can probably just get this one. <laughs> yeah. Or just get it on D&D Beyond where it's cheaper and then just get the exactly the pictures that way yep so but i'm i'm i can't wait to see Spelljammer next month yes uh yeah so uh, next time you hear our glorious voices uh it'll be uh 15 hours i think we decided to devote to just <laughs> reviewing Spelljammers. Yeah, so yeah the, you'll start you can tell by uh what the, steven thought about it where he will be giddy and excited to speak about it or there will be an immense sadness in his voice right off the bat oh Am I that transparent? No, but you're looking been looking forward to this since I've known you. <laughs> ah, I mean, maybe one day I'll get manual of the planes. There you Anyways, go. Anyways, uh, right. so, you know, follow us on Twitter, link in the description. Uh, if you like what we're doing here and join us on the Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you again to the patrons for allowing us to purchase these, uh, the books and Spelljammer coming up next. All right, Steven, say goodbye.